Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed, where every week we bust the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding and beyond. Now, this week, we're going to stick with breastfeeding, but more from the standpoint of the person who wants to support breastfeeding and lactation. Uh, That is, the person who is already an IBCLC or wants to become an IBCLC. If this is not your bag, don't worry. I've got a really good show coming up for you soon. So uh, that's that's the slant today. And the reason I say that is that there have been so many changes and shifts and crazy stuff this year with getting the IBCL certifica- IBCLC certification. So I want to try to do a wrap-up to just help you get your head together if you're looking to become eligible for the IBLCE exam. And yes, there are some important changes for 2021. And you need to be aware of those. Or if you're recertifying or if you just tested, uh, I got plenty of stuff here for you today. Okay, so hang on because I've got really two main categories. And that is if you've already taken the exam, in 2020, which was basically September because the March exam, or I guess it was the April exam or whatever it was, kind of went to pot. As far as I know, they didn't do it anywhere. And uh, the second main category is if you're planning to take the IBLCE exam in 2021. Now, I've said this before on this show, and I say it on my blog, and I say it all over the place, but I'm going to say it one more time. I don't work for IBLCE, okay? So I don't have any crystal ball. I don't get information any sooner than you do. I'm an independent educator. Uh, That being said, I'm fairly confident that what I'm telling you is correct, but As always, you should check the IBLCE's website for the official information and for the latest updates. Let me start with my first promise, which is for those if you've already taken the exam. Okay, so let's say that you took the exam in September. Let's say that you heard, yeah, let's, how about, (laughs) let's back up a step. Let's say that you thought you were going to take the IBLCE exam in September, and maybe you were all set to do it. Maybe for one reason or another, you were unable to do it. I know that some of the testing centers were closed in some of the states, or you may have been sick yourself or taking care of a sick relative or whatever. So you might not have taken it. Now, here's the deal. You may have heard about getting a deferral, and that was possible, but it is my understanding that you had to apply for a deferral by the end of October, and to my knowledge, that has not been extended, which is sort of my way of saying, unless something else comes out that I don't know about, you are too late to get a deferral. 
What does that mean for you? Uh, you need to go on the IBLCE's website. I did. I looked. I'm quite honestly not entirely sure. But, well, for two reasons. Because I think that if you just plain did not apply for the deferral, I think you're just plain out of luck. But you had to apply for the deferral, and it was unclear to me if that was going to be a rubber stamp or if they were maybe not going to give you the deferral. I don't know how that's going to work. So I'm just saying that's kind of where that is at at the moment. Now, the next thing is if you did take the exam and you had some really awful experience, and I've already got one person who is one of my clients, and she alerted me to this. She was at home taking the exam, and the all of a sudden, the exam just shut off. So she was going to make an appeal, but I want to tell you, I really don't know if you still have time to make an appeal or not. It's a little bit confusing on their site, but I would say that if you were disqualified originally, they did say that you could appeal and that you, here's how it works. It says that you have 30 days after notification of the disqualifying, uh, the disqualification to apply for the appeal. I don't really know what that notification would be. So what I want to do then is direct you to the candidate information guide. And that does have information about the appeal. All right. So I guess what I'm trying to tell you is I think you're probably too late for any of this stuff. But if you've heard about it, I want to give you some information. All right. So the next thing that you're probably going to want to know is when are you going to get your scores? So let's say you did take the exam, okay? I do not have an exact answer to that, but I would say that historically, there's usually about a three-month or so lag time between the time that the candidate takes the exam and the time that they get their results, meaning... The last few years, the exam has been the first week in October or maybe about the last or so weekend in September. I can't remember exactly, but end of September, real early October, the last several years, and people have not gotten their results until December. So if that's any guideline, again, this is very unofficial information I'm not even really predicting. I'm just telling you, historically, that's kind of how it worked. So don't sit on the edge of your chair thinking it's going to be like today because it won't be, okay? So that leads you probably to the question of what are you going to do between here and December? All right, well, I have a few ideas for you to consider. First of all, Whatever you did on the exam, you did it. It's behind you. For the better or the worse, what is done is done. Or as the old saying goes, that ship has sailed. All right? Stop worrying about it because you really can't do anything about it right now. That test was yesterday or many yesterdays ago. All right? 
you can't change what happened yesterday. As this saying goes, yesterday is history. Tomorrow is a mystery. Today is a gift. That's why they call it the present. So stop fretting about it. Nothing you can do. All right, so I am very sure that some of you feel like you've already failed the IBLCE exam, and I have two responses to that. First of all, on the day of the exam, I am astonished at the number of phone calls I get from people who swear they failed. (laughs) Shucks, sometimes I come out of the testing room thinking I didn't do all that hot on myself, all right? It just feels that way. It feels very overwhelming. It's just perception. It's not necessarily reality, okay? In fact, if it's just in your head, it is definitely not reality, Okay, but like, let's just say, let's just say that you really did fail. Okay, if that's the case, I am very confident I can help you. And if you failed, remember that they give you an opportunity to retest. And yeah, I'm sure it's very nerve wracking to have to test again. But I have helped many people who have failed, including those who have failed more than once. And I'm pretty sure I can help you too. Whatever you do. Try to believe in yourself, all right? And give yourself positive self-talk. It's really important, okay? Positive self-talk. All right, so what else can you do with yourself between now and when you get your test results? Honestly, focus on professional development. Whether you pass or fail the exam, try to take some steps to further your own personal or your professional development. And you've got to be standing there saying to yourself, now, Marie, wait a minute. Like, what does my personal development have to do with it? Well, a lot, all right? Maybe you need to develop better listening skills. That's a personal quality or a, a personal development, but it certainly spills over onto your professional life and vice versa, I might add. Maybe you learn to become more self-aware. Maybe you learn to be a better leader. Maybe you learn more medical terminology because that's a place that you've been weak in. Whatever it is, okay? But really try to think about how do you want to grow to be a better person or a better professional? And I guarantee you those two things spill over onto one another between now and the end of December. All right? Along with that, I might suggest, let's just say that you don't, well, you don't. You don't have your certification at the moment. You're waiting around until you get your exam results. Okay. Try to think about what setting you might like to practice in. Now, for the IBCLC, I suppose it could be anything, but generally it's one of three settings. It's the hospital or the clinic or private practice. Private practice being your own private practice or someone else's. And by the way, da-da, spoil alert, I am going to have someone come on and talk about those roles. So 
stay tuned. Well, that those those are coming up. But let me just say a couple of words about this. First of all, I in my young day, I was kind of able to live, eat, sleep, and breathe hospital. I even went to a hospital school of nursing. Those things, I'm not even sure if they exist anymore, okay? But I'm big on hospital. I am comfortable there. I That's what I, that's where I kind of grew up, so to speak. So if you are already hospital-based, you're probably going to want to stay there and be in a different role, and that is okay. And I would also say, Really try to think about what that role might be. It does not necessarily need to be, in fact, at least for me, it was not helping every single baby to latch on. I don't really think that's real useful, actually. But try to think about what you want your role to be. It certainly can be individual care, but it could also be things like um, it might be quality assurance. It might be staff education. It could be anything along those lines that, as it relates to lactation. So I guess what I'm trying to say is think about how you feel that you could be useful in order to help the organization to give better care. All right. Now the same for a clinic. And, and, and by the way, excuse me, let me back up. If you are not an RN or an LPN for that matter, or LVN sometimes in some states, you're probably going to have a real tough time getting a job in a hospital. And I've written a blog post on that, so I won't repeat myself here. But honestly, you've, you've got to love hospital, all right? If you don't love hospital, I think that's going to be a setting where you might not really feel comfortable. All right, so number two clinic. I have not worked in a clinic, so I can't really speak to that a whole lot, but there are some people who have done it, love it, and um, if that's where your heart is, by all, and there's a lot of things to be said about the clinic, the outpatient setting, and so forth. Uh, again, you've got to love it. Don't just take the job because it pays money. You've got to love it, all right? And private practice is, in some ways, like the clinic. And the reason I say that is that it is largely outpatient, whereas the hospital is, by definition, inpatient, all right? Private practice is not for everybody. And I know that some people go into it thinking, oh, I want to uh, be in private practice so I can um, uh, have control of my time. It's, it's easier. Okay, well, keep that in mind because I have a guest who is going to come and talk to you about that. And I would also say, try to think about what it is about private practice that you could love. And there are a lot of things about private practice that you can love. You can be your own boss. You can lead your own organization. You can have employees if you don't want to do it all. You can work with families on pretty much a one-to-one basis. And oh, by the way, you are able to interact with them on a time 
line that makes sense for you. Uh, in the hospital, I always felt pretty rushed, okay? In a private practice setting, I feel like I'm going to take the time I need in order to do the job I need to do, all right? So that there's a lot of upside, but just make sure that you have a full understanding of what any of these settings could be and how your role is going to play out, all right? Okay. So you're going to think about your setting, and then you're going to say, oh, man, in order to get a job, I've got to do what? Update my resume. This is hugely important. Um, I've actually written a what I think was a really good blog post on um, updating your resume. And the reason I say that is that that post was a real story about a real RN, IBCLC, and she asked me for my help, and I gave her several good tips over the telephone, and then I said, wow, I can't believe that she's the only person in this boat. I think I will put this in a blog post, which I did, and you're welcome to go and read. In fact, I would encourage you to go and read that. And by the way, FYI, I would say that probably hmm, 95% of my blog posts answer a question that somebody has asked. They've asked me over the phone or they've asked me at an in-person course or whatever, but I don't pull these out of my head. Uh, A few of them I do pull out of my head, but uh, very often they are in response to what somebody's question was. And honestly, I'm at the stage of the game now where I don't really think that anybody's question is all that unique. So probably there's something there that would be helpful for you. All right. So assume you're going to pass. Start writing your resume, and you're going to need that resume for a prospective employer. And you can also, and I really encourage you to do this, put your resume on LinkedIn. I think that LinkedIn is one of the most, uh, how should I say, underrated ways to get yourself out there. You might also want to take a look at, uh, oh, I thought I had this on my desk. I don't. I have it close to my desk, but not close enough to do this and talk to you at the same time. Uh, The book is called Connect, and it's by Josh Turner. That's Josh, J-O-S-H, Turner, T-U-N-E-R. Now, Turner's book is a little on the old side, and there's stuff there that he says that isn't true anymore. Like, for instance, it used to be you could only have 3,500 connections. Well, that's not the case anymore. But but what he tells you in terms of the principles of how to get things done, that's a, a little gem. It's only like 150, 160 pages, something like that. I don't know. But it's well worth your time if you want to go on LinkedIn. All right. Next. Here's another thing to do between here and when you get your results. Find some free ways to improve. That's right. I said free. F-R-E-E, my favorite four-letter F word. Okay? One of the things you could do, for example, is start a journal. I still journal. But when I was a very young nurse, I journaled about clinical experiences, and I learned so much just by reflecting on what I had learned in the clinical area that day and pondering or maybe finding the answers. Sometimes just writing down the questions that I had encountered and that sent me 
either asking a colleague or sent me to the library. I swear half in my really young day, I swear I spent as much time in the library as I spent on the clinical floor. Here's another thing that you could do. How about volunteering? You could volunteer for something like the Baby Cafe. And by the way, I have an entire podcast on Baby Cafe. And it is wonderful. This is just a great opportunity. Now, of course, I don't know if there's going to be a Baby Cafe in your city. There may or may not be. And if you live in a major city, there probably really is. Uh, but if that doesn't work out, volunteer at some place that supports women and children. You could maybe volunteer to help at a women's shelter, a fundraising campaign to benefit children. Uh, Shoot, you could help with a class with English as a second language, whatever. But giving back to the community is always a good idea. All right. And then finally, you just got to, like, wait for results. So then I want to talk about the second thing I promised, which is what if you are planning to take the exam in the upcoming year? All righty. Get your paper and pencil handy because I really do believe that what I'm going to tell you is not going to change. I think this will be the real deal. According to the IBLCE, IBLCE, the next exam will take place March 22nd through March 31st, 2021. I will repeat that. That is March 22 to March 31. 2020. Excuse me, 2021. All right. Now, also, people seem to think that they can just register for the exam a few days before the exam is given, and that is absolutely positively false. Wrong. wrong. It has never been that way in the 35, 40, whatever it is, years that the IBLC has been giving the exam. To my knowledge, there has never been a couple of days and, you know, you're in. No. You will need to apply for the exam and the window is opened as of when you are listening to this uh, podcast until no, uh, December 11th, 2020. Okay? So, you may start applying anytime now, but you must be done. Your deadline is December 11th, 2020, if you wish to take the exam March 22nd to March 31st. All right, and then there will be another exam. I'm thinking, got to hope that COVID goes away here, but uh, the, the next exam will be September 15th through September 24th, 2021. And I will repeat that. The fall exam, fall 2020, the exam will be September 15th through the 24th, 2021. However, ta-da, same thing. You've got to apply ahead of time. If you want to sit for the fall exam, the window will open April 19th, and you absolutely must be finished with your application by May 28th, 2020. 21. Now, what I mean by that is that you must have all of your requirements done when you apply. And this is huge. People seem to think, oh, we get this question at the office all the time. People seem to think that they got to have their stuff done before they take the exam. And at least for the IBLCE, that is not the way it works, okay? You've got to have all of your requirements met before you apply 
for the exam. Basically, they're looking at whether or not you're eligible. Okay, so people get really confused about this. And I'm going to try to kind of just cut it down for you so it's relatively simple. The eligibility requirements are kind of like the three main things. I'm going to give you the three main uh, branches. You're going to have to figure out the twigs, all right? But the three main branches are your hours, number one, your hours of clinical experience, but the number of hours that you need in order to qualify varies depending on which pathway you're using to qualify, okay? So number one, hours of clinical experience. Number two, healthcare sciences, and there's a whole raft of them, all right? You need to go on the IBLCE's website and, and look that up, but I will tell you this. If you are already a recognized healthcare provider as defined by IBLCE, they presume that you have those healthcare sciences already like done. All right. And the third requirement is that you have 90 hours of lactation specific education and an additional five hours of <laughs> communication. Now, this communication thing is new. And I'm going to talk about that in just a second. They have never required this before, but they will be requiring it, as far as I know, from here to eternity. All right? So, I will repeat that. It's the healthcare sciences, the uh, hours of clinical experience, and the third thing, the 90 hours of lactation-specific information and the five hours of communication. I can help you with that last one. Well, I can actually, I can help you with part of the first one too. But uh, let me just give you a little uh, insight here about the 90 hours of lactation-specific ed education. I have a 90-hour course that I offer online. And I also offer a 90-hour course hybrid. That is, part of it is online and the rest of it is in person. So... If you want to start getting your 90 hours of lactation education, you can do that in my online course like five minutes from now. Okay, just go online, go to mariebiancuso.com and sign up for the course and you're good to go. If you want the hybrid one, you also can register for that and that will be at breastfeedingoutlook.com. Some of it will be in uh, online. And some of it will be in sunny Orlando, Florida in March. So you can do it either way. And I would be only too happy to see you in person. But if that doesn't work for you, um, you certainly are welcome to sign up for the 90 hours of all online as well. All right. So as promised, I'm going to talk about this communication requirement because people are kind of really kind of goofed up on this. So... All first-time test takers, and you need to understand that I'm saying first-time test takers, are now required to have a five-hour communication course. This communication requirement applies to candidates aspiring to be an IBCLC through any of the three pathways. And my communications for lactation consultants course 
was designed specifically to help you to meet that requirement. And that's at mariebiancuso.com. Okay, I probably got to spell that for you, huh? All right, it's M-A-R-I-E-B-I-A-N-C-U-Z-Z-O.com. All right, so we know that communication in healthcare is important. It's reported that patient satisfaction, follow-through with medications and malpractice and all sorts of other things are all tied to good or not-so-good communication. So presumably the IBLCE has recognized that and that's why they're requiring this course. And uh, for those, here's kind of some good news that I have for you. If you are already enrolled in my 90-hour lactation education course as of March 1st, 2020, so that's like, what, six or seven months ago, uh, if you started with me in March 1st, you do not need to take an additional course because I have rolled that communication for lactations course into the 90-hour course. In other words, you'll get us, if you get through, you will, when you get through, you will have a certificate that says 90 hours of lactation-specific education, and you will have a certificate that says five hours of communication. So, again, that is if you started taking my course anytime after March 1st. I also want to tell you, I'm not going to keep that up forever, but that offer is available to you right now. Okay? Now, if you got your 90 hours of lactation education some other way, or you took my course before March 1st, 2020, or you did a hodgepodge approach, oh, we can talk about that someday, Uh, no worries, I do offer the Communication for Lactation Consultants course as a standalone in order to fulfill your requirements. So you can still do that, all right? My new Communication for Lactation Consultants course will help you to three things, really. First, empower parents to ask the questions, articulate their needs, and deal with criticism as it relates to their breastfeeding goals. Wow, haven't we all seen that? And number two, use persuasive techniques to help parents initiate and continue breastfeeding. And finally, to master that content that will support confidently answering the questions on the real exam, because I got news for you, there will be questions on the real exam about communication. Okay, so in that course, I will give you reading assignments, audio files, and more to give you the everyday skills to navigate the situations you find yourself in. And honestly, I really aim to enhance your ability to correctly answer those questions on the IBLCE exam because I know, I know that it's going to happen. All right. So I would also urge you to check out the interim clinical hours updates. Um, There is no direct change to the requirements for the clinical hours due to the COVID-19 But there is an interim guidance on the use of technology to meet those practice requirements. So I would encourage you to look at that. Okay. Now, if you are recertifying, there's also some stuff that you need to know. Whether you're recertifying by SERPs or by exam, all recertifiers will now, this is the new part, will be required to have 250 hours of lactation consulting practice. 
These hours can be paid or volunteer or a combination of both in a variety of settings. So I'm not going to go into that because I really don't want to speak for the IBLCE, but you will find that you've got to go to the recertification guide, and that's the name of it, by the way, recertification guide for some detailed information. This also is new. Recertifiers are now required to have basic life support education during every five-year cycle. And options include CPR and neonatal resuscitation programs. You've certainly got to have your 75 SERPs to recertify. There, there's nothing new with that, okay? And those, cert- those SERPs must include the basic life support, okay? Now, If you're not planning to recertify, you should be sort of aware that if you're due to recertify in 2021, but like if you're, you're due, but you're not planning to actually do it, you do have some options. You can be on an inactive status, and that's for those who cannot meet the requirements by the deadline, but intend to recertify within one year. If you are due to recertify by exam in 2021, you will be required to recertify by exam in 2022. And finally, your other option is you could go on retired status. And that's for those who no longer want to practice as an IBCLC. All right, that was kind of a lot. But I really want to make sure that you get your head together with this stuff. I would urge you, uh, by the way, we just put this up I now have a new free video series, and in less than half an hour, I will go into those three requirements. Remember where I said to you a minute ago, I'm going to give you the three big requirements, the three branches, you got to figure out the twigs for yourself. Yeah, well, in that video series, I will give you a free, it's like a little mini course that is video-based. And in less than a half an hour, I can get you all straightened out on all of those questions that you've been asking. I will go through it with video. I will give you the links to where you need to find the primary source, blah, 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 blah. I think you'll find it hugely beneficial. So by all means, uh, go to MarieBiancuso.com. Again, that's MarieBiancuso.com. Sign up for that free video series. I think it will be hugely helpful to you if you're still trying to navigate your way through. Meanwhile, remember, I'm Marie Biancuso, and I will help you to take the guesswork out of passing the IBLCE exam. So call me or go online today and let me know how I can help you. Meanwhile, join us for another episode of Born to be Breastfed next week. See you right here. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuso next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do its best for you and your baby. 